Welcome, welcome to Crossroads Community Church uh, online this time. Uh, for those of you who don't live in California, you might not know this. Uh, we've been very bad in California, particularly Kern County, and we're put back in timeout because of the COVID-19 cases that are taking place in our county. Uh, just a reminder, though, we'll be just telecasting uh, across the internet, but if you have any needs, our office will be open during the week, so you'll be able to come in uh, Wednesday through Friday and anything that we can do to help. Plus, our phones are checked every day. So if there's something in that area that we can do uh, just to serve you, please let us know. Okay, uh, with that said, uh, today as a church, we're starting a new series. Uh, we've, we've called the series The Chosen. Uh, the reason for The Chosen is we're, we're talking about a special group of people who God has chosen. Some of the uh, verses that point in that direction. And how does God choose? How does God pick the people uh, first, uh, let, let's talk about the first verse. Uh, the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro. I love that picture. God's eyes running to and fro throughout the whole earth to, strong, to give strong support to those whose hearts is blameless toward him. God looks at hearts. Isn't that a concept? The, the God that created everything looks at every heart, searches throughout the world for people who will be blameless. And, and this is part of his choosing process. Jesus, when he was here on earth, uh, reminded us that really the choice isn't ours, it's his. That, that God reaches out. I, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, speaking to his followers, and that your fruit should abide, remain, be connected. So that as we ask God anything, uh, in Jesus' name, he'll do it. So he's, he's looking at hearts, and then he's choosing people uh, that he can use that will abide in him. And a verse for all Christians, which we'll see each week in this, as far as being chosen is concerned, we're God's workmanship. Chosen, completed, uh, and brought together in Christ Jesus, recreated in Christ Jesus. We're, we're his workmanship, his poem in Christ. And we're, we're chosen and selected for good works that God prepared beforehand, before creation, he chose us to do certain works at a certain time, at a certain place uh, on this earth. So these will be the main verses that we'll be talking about over the next several weeks. And this is, uh, as we look at the service, as we look at the things that are there, that's actually the point that we're making, is that chosen uh, in the Bible common men, common women, chosen by the sovereign will of God to accomplish his purpose in our time. You know, we, uh, we're getting together as a, as a team, a programming team, and planning these services out, and we listed a, a bunch of characters, I think that's the right word, people uh, from the New and Old Testament. As we went through the New and Old Testament to be able to see uh, who we're going to use in this series, we were looking for a title and we came up with The Chosen. Now, we did that, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, uh, on a TV series. It had its last, uh, last year was its first season, and it, it's on, uh, on uh, YouTube right now, and encourage people to watch it. Uh, it's a story of Christ coming to earth and choosing men and, and women who will be his followers, who will reveal his plan to who will come to get to know him. So it's, it's the chosen, these, these group of men and women that, that, that saw his miracles, that listened to him teach, 
the best part of the series for me are the people he chose, the characters that, that, are, that, that play and portray the disciples and the followers. They're are really great. You got Peter and you got John. And the guy that plays, in my opinion, Matthew, is, is just, uh, just thought-provoking the way he presents uh, himself in it. We're going to watch just because we get kind of an idea of the series, and this is also an encouragement for other people to watch it. We're going to just watch a clip that comes out of that series. Excuse me. I have something for you. For me. Throw this down for a catch. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher, but we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. is incredible. Everything that grows here is immaculate. Except for the people. You're such a miserable lot. You worship one God, and yet you're all divided. Only one language keeps their peace. Learn to speak it. You are the great Nicodemus. I serve only God. Yes. Yes, so do your enemies. Rogue preachers in the wilderness raving about a coming Messiah. Simon. You're scared. Lost everything. Burned every bridge. If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. I'm trapped. No more talking, Simon. Maybe God can get your attention now. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. It was incredible. You have experienced a miracle. You are healed. What do you want from me? Follow me. He performs miracles and seeks no credit? Who did this? I don't know his name. His time for men to know has not yet come. We, we waited for you for so long, we believe. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Anything is possible now, don't you see? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> Wanted to show that. That's where we got our title from. And I really want to encourage you, if since if you're on the shutdown at any time, uh, you can binge on The Chosen. It's, it's an excellent series, and, and they're getting ready to put it back into production for the next series. So uh, take a look at it and, and, and see what you think about it. 
But today we're, we're talking about the chosen, the series. And what we've done is we've selected men and women uh, that God chose to change the world and, and to make a difference around them. Uh, some of the people uh, that we looked at are listed on this slide that comes up to chosen. And again, one who is the object of choice or divine favor. That actually comes out of Webster's uh, New Dictionary. So the chosen people that we're going to look at, we're going to start today with, with Jeremiah, the prophet. And uh, it, one of my favorites. But next week, we'll talk about Jonah, the reluctant prophet, uh, Esther, the queen, Paul, uh, who carried the message of Jesus Christ to the known Roman Empire at that time, Daniel, uh, who was actually a, a ruler uh, and worked his way up in several empires in the Middle East, Peter, the fisherman, we saw him in the clip, and of course, Jesus will be the last character, if you will, that's been appointed to come to this earth, chosen uh, to change the world. When we, when we talk about Jesus, by the way, just for a little future, uh, not spoiler alert, I don't think, but we're going to be talking about Jesus' questions that he asked people. Who do you say that I am? What do you want me to do for you? Uh, those kind of questions. So that's, that's where we're going. This time, seven individuals. Uh, each with a, were chosen with a certain skill set, with the right heart at a certain place, with the right contacts to be able to carry out God's purpose in their generation to the people around them. Today, uh, we start. Uh, two things as we do, uh, because sometimes when you do Bible studies or read the Bible, sometimes it's easy to do it as a history study. But I want to emphasize one of the main points in it is that it's not history. God is still choosing people. Uh, for Christ's followers that are listening in, uh, we're saved by grace. It's a gift that's given to us by the living God. Uh, not of works, lest anyone can boast. We can't, we can't brag about the works that have been done to us. We've become his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And again, the main point, he prepared beforehand these works so that we could walk in them. As he, as he does that, for anyone listening that knows Christ, you're called. You're gifted. So as we look at men and women in history, in positions and cases, understand that we're really talking about us. We're talking about those who've been chosen by God. Just because we love him and he's looked at our heart. And one other thing that's fun is the next verse this next verse is one of my favorites. It, it follows a, a chapter in the Bible called uh, Hebrews 11, and it's called the Hall of Fame of those people with faith. Those chosen before Christ uh, are, are the Hall of Fame of the Jewish heroes of the time, and we'll actually talk about some of them. But why I, I use this verse is they were chosen, but, but now they have left this earth but according to Hebrews 12, 1, this group of people, the, the Peters, the Pauls, the Jeremiahs, the, the Daniels, the, all of them, uh, they're in heaven. And according to this verse, they're looking down on us. We have a, a, a crowd, a, a cloud of witnesses. One of the translations calls it in the grandstand. It is actually the word that they use as they would use for the Olympic Games back then. Uh, but anyway, it says, so with all these people watching us with, in this case, Jeremiah, uh, I just love to think of that. He's up there watching. 
that, that you and I as Christ followers, we should lay aside every encumbrance and, and any sin that, that keeps us from running a, a race to get rid of the stuff that holds us back, to, to lay it aside and, and let us run with endurance. One of the things that we'll look at each of the, the chosen, they all ran with endurance, weren't quitters. They, they stayed in the game with God's calling. Uh, run the race that's set before us. And, and as we run, we should keep our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter. He starts our faith and he perfects our faith. And it talks about him suffering at the cross for the joy that was before him. And as we run, we're to run no matter the circumstances with the joy before. So as, as we run in Ridgecrest, California in, in 2020, they're watching us. I don't know about you, that, that encourages me. That, that, that makes this something that I become more and more aware of. So over the weeks, we'll be, we'll be hearing their stories. We'll be seeing how God used them in particular ways. But as we start that, it's, it's appropriate that, that we acknowledge God's presence with us today and actually for him choosing us for this moment in time. Would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you have chosen people, common people, just people, to be able to do your will here on earth, to, to be able to carry out your purposes, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And Lord, as, as we get ready for this, let's, let's remind ourselves of the gift that you've given us, that we do have a, a, a cloud of witnesses watching us, and that we are to run with endurance the race that's before us. Uh, amen. As we do this, uh, the first one we're going to talk about is, is one of my personal favorites, and you'll see why as we go through it. His name is Jeremiah, and, and he was a prophet. Uh, it, this is the first of the, of the seven messages that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to look at him in several aspects. We're going to look at him as a priest, as a prophet, his role in history, and then what is his role in our generation? How can we apply what we learn from Jeremiah to our lives today? Uh, first, uh, role model. There's just too much to be able to do uh, in the time that we have. I could actually uh, do a, a seven-week series, and I still couldn't cover what Jeremiah did inside of his life. And uh, I want to say something really strange. Uh, I feel like I know him. I, I feel actually like Jeremiah is kind of a friend of mine. I, I know that sounds really weird, uh, but I do. I feel that he's a friend because of my understanding of him. This week I uh, wanted to take a little sidebar and, and off to the side and, and kind of put that out because he's a major role model that has formed my life. I've studied him. Uh, I, I believe, as I talk about him, uh, that I have some insight to his life since I've become a Christian. I've, I've probably read his life story, uh, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. I get, thought about it when I got ready. Somewhere around 40 times I've gone through that. And, and each time I do, I find out something new about him. It's like any relationship. The more time you spend with someone and you listen uh, to what they're doing and you watch their life unfold around you, you learn something. So I've, 
I, I consider him a friend. As I've, I've gone through that at least 40 times. Uh, I've memorized words from Jeremiah. That God used Jeremiah to speak. I, I call these life verses. And I encourage everyone to, to find those verses that we build our lives on. These, my life verses are, are my foundation. I, I take God's word and incorporate it and memorize it so I can apply it to the various areas inside of my life and get into a situation, I can call it up. So, so Jeremiah, uh, both in his book and in Lamentations, speaks often. And uh, I'm going to talk about one of the, those verses, one of the first ones I memorized as a, as a Christian. It's a, book, it's a verse out of uh, Jeremiah. And uh, it, the Lord comes to Jeremiah and he says, Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh is anything too hard for me. Now, I, I learned that over 40 years ago. And I, I learned it, and it became a life verse. When I would hit something hard or have a question or something would come up, I would run in my mind, behold, I, and I could hear, though, this is not removed. This is hearing the voice of God through Jeremiah, because that's what it is, is Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? There have been times when I needed to hear that voice. I needed to have that challenge inside of my life. Because the, the question begs an answer. When, when God asks us, is anything too hard for him? Well, the answer is no, God. No, you can do all things. If you've called me and you've brought me here, I can trust you to do your part in this. No, so the, the word, is, is anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. This is, this is a, a gift and, uh, that was really foundational at the beginning. You know, there's, a, there's another verse that I think most people have heard in one context or another. And I go to this, this next life verse, and I, I get the opportunity to talk to other people, and I remind them of this verse. Uh, as I read it, uh, you'll be able to, to understand it. it. It says that, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. One of the verses says that, not for calamity, not for evil, not for calamity. But he, he's there to give us a future and a hope. God's plans for us are for good. And we stop and look at the situations of life, or if I talk to other people or myself, I need to remember that God's plans for me are good plans. Uh, they're that I might have a future and a hope. And, and oh, by the way, that you might have, if you're a Christ follower, that you might have a future and a hope. Now, this is one of those sunshine verses. I like to call them with angel dust and uh, all this stuff floating all over it. But when this verse was given, it wasn't given at a good time. It sounds good, but it sits in the middle of a passage. What goes before it and what goes after this verse is more realistic in our day-to-day -day life. Uh, the, the Lord was using Jeremiah again and, and talking to the people of Israel. And, and Judah, the, the southern kingdom, had fallen away from God and were in immorality and uh, just doing everything they could to break God's covenant and confidence in this. They had false gods, uh, abominable practices, immorality, the priests were, were corrupt, the government was corrupt during this time. And so God had judged them, and he had taken the people of Judah, 
the city of Jerusalem was conquered, the walls were knocked down, the temple was desecrated and no longer there, and captured the Jewish people, uh, killed many of them, and so, took some to Babylon in, for captive slaves to be used there. And so that's the picture that Jesus is speaking into, uh, or God's speaking into through Jeremiah. So he tells them, okay, you got 70 years are completed for Babylon. He says, you're going to be in captivity 70 years. Uh, and I'll fulfill my promises and bring you back to this place. So God's saying in this, this case, you owe me 70 years. There was, uh, there was a, a feast that, where Israel was supposed to take a year off every seven years, and they didn't do it. And so they owed God 70 years. And so he was, they were spending that in, uh, in Babylon. But then he goes on, I know the plans that I have for you when you come back. When you come back, it's for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future of the hope. And, and catch the second part of this, because I needed to hear this at a point in my life, and it still encourages me. And I, I often tell other people that are looking for God or looking for answers, when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I'll hear you. Uh, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you look with all your heart, so if we're looking for God, if we're looking for answers, seek God with all of our heart. Then I'll be found, declares the Lord, and I'll restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations. So this is a promise to us today. So often people come in and they say, well, what do I, how do I? I said, seek God with all your heart. You know, read his word, seek him, seek the people around him and grow in him. So this is, this is again a life verse, but isn't it a good one? For I know the plans that I have, not for calamity, but, but for a future and a hope. You know, this is, this is, these are two of them uh, that we have that are life verses. In the middle of the pain, God answers. So today, as we look at Jeremiah, we have to remember that God is speaking through us through this man, Jeremiah. So we're going to be uh, spending some time getting to know him walking with him, looking where he comes from, and, and maybe we can find some, some life verses uh, as, you, as you look at it. Let's look first at, at the man himself. Jeremiah uh, was, was, a, was a Jewish priest at the time uh, that this was written, and this is what he was chosen to be. But as we, as we look at the culture and the times that are back there, uh, there's more information on Jeremiah that, than I can put out in a short period of time. So I'm going to cheat again and use a video. And for those of you who may be familiar uh, with the Bible Project, uh, it's online. And again, I put the, the web address uh, on your outlines that you would have online uh, there. We're going to look at a quick overview, four minutes of Jeremiah's life. Prophet as a messenger of God's justice and grace. So the book begins with God calling Jeremiah to be a prophet, and he's given a dual vocation. He will be a prophet to Israel, but also to the nations. And his words will both uproot and tear down, but also plant and build up. In other words, he's going to accuse Israel and warn them of God's coming judgment, but he also has a message of hope for the future. Now, this opening perfectly summarizes the first large section, chapters 1 to 24. It's a collection of Jeremiah's writings from before the exile. 
And the core idea here is that Israel has broken the covenant with God and violated all the terms of the agreement they made that are written in the Torah, and in a number of ways. They've adopted the worship of all kinds of Canaanite gods, building idol shrines all over the land, and Jeremiah develops the metaphor of idolatry as adultery, and uses the language of prostitution, promiscuity, unfaithfulness to describe how Israel has given their allegiance to other gods. Jeremiah also repeatedly accuses Israel's leaders. The priests, the kings, the other prophets have all become corrupt. They've abandoned the Torah and the covenant, which has led to a tragic result, rampant social injustice. The most vulnerable people in Israelite communities, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, were all being taken advantage of in clear violation of the laws of the Torah, and Israel's leaders didn't even seem to care. So a classic place where all of these ideas come together is in chapter 7. It's called Jeremiah's Temple Sermon. The Israelites are coming to worship their God in the temple as if everything is just fine, but outside the temple they are worshiping other gods, and some were even adopting the horrifying Canaanite practice of child sacrifice. And so Jeremiah makes his very unpopular announcement. The God of Israel is coming in judgment. He's going to destroy his own temple and punish Israel by sending an enemy from the north. This is an army that God would allow to conquer Jerusalem, and as you read on, you discover he's talking about the great empire of Babylon. And so this all leads up to a transition in chapter 25. Israel hasn't turned back to their God, and so in the first year of Babylon's new king, Nebuchadnezzar, God tells Jeremiah to announce that the Babylonian armies are headed for Israel and all of its neighbors to conquer them and take them into exile for 70 years. He compares Babylon to a cup of wine filled to the brim with God's just anger at all of Israel's injustice and idolatry, and God will make Israel and the nations drink from this cup. Now this chapter is key to the book's design because everything that follows is going to focus on Babylon's coming attack, first on Israel in chapters 26 to 45, and then on the other nations in chapters 46 to 51. The section about Israel first contains stories about how Jeremiah begged Israel to turn back, how he warned them right up to the last minute, but the leaders of Israel kept rejecting him. This section concludes with a large collection of stories about how Jerusalem was under siege and eventually destroyed by Babylon, and about how Jeremiah was persecuted all through that time and eventually kidnapped and taken against his will to Egypt by a group of Israelite rebels. Now, right here in the middle, in between all of these dark stories of disaster and judgment, is a collection of Jeremiah's messages of hope for Israel's future. So he picks up on Moses' prediction that after Israel had broken the covenant and gone into exile, see Deuteronomy 30, God would not abandon his people. Rather, he would renew his covenant with them and transform their hearts. Jeremiah develops this promise, and he says that God is going to one day inscribe the laws of the Torah, not on tablets, but rather on the hearts of his own people. He's going to heal their rebellion so that they can truly one day love and follow him fully. And so one day, Israel will return back to the land, and the Messiah from the line of David is going to come, and that's when all nations will come to recognize Israel's God as the true God. So these chapters are showing that despite Israel's apostasy, God is not going to let Israel's sin get the final word. Rather, his own faithfulness will bring about the fulfillment of his promises no matter what. Okay, you got that? There'll be a pop quiz later. Uh, couldn't, it would take me weeks to be able to go through the material, the overview uh, of the book of Jeremiah. 
Uh, so we're going to break it down and, and, and just pull out certain parts of his life. And again, I encourage you to, to maybe watch that again or get familiar with that channel and see some of the other parts. We just pulled four minutes uh, out of that clip. Uh, but, but let's look at Jeremiah first and one of his roles. He was a priest. He was of the tribe of Levi, so he had a special role inside of that. Jeremiah uh, was in the, in the tri- it was, uh, one of the priests uh, of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin is where they placed him. This is not far from Jerusalem. And the word of le- the Lord came uh, in the days of Josiah, and then also uh, king of Judah, then Ammon, and then also later in Jehoiakim. He, he ministered actually under three kings uh, while he was there during this particular time. But, but he was a prophet during this time, uh, a, a priest to be able to stand, and a priest stands before man and God. He's the one that brought the sacrifices to the altar. Uh, people would bring their sacrifices, and it would be a priest that would take it there. It would be a priest that would pray for him. For, for Christians, we, we have a priest, Jesus Christ. He's, he's the high priest. But, but we can go directly into his presence and into the presence of God because of his intervention and sacrifice for us on the cross. So he was a priest. And at, at that, he had a love for people. He, he had a love for God's word. He memorized. Uh, of course, a priest in those days uh, sounds amazing to us today, but would have memorized basically all the uh, Old Testament. That would have been the first five chapters of the Torah and then all the way through uh, the prophets, kings, uh, poetry that was there. He, he would have memorized all this. He would have known, as we should know really, uh, the history of the kings, the prophets that were before him, the songs, the proverbs. He'd known about creation. He had known about the fall in the garden. He would have been able to explain that to people at that particular time and, and, and why sin and, and why things went south in, in this world because of choice. He'd talk about the flood that Noah was chosen to be part of. He'd talk about Abraham being chosen to lead a specific nation. Moses was chosen to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. He would have memorized, like many of us have, Psalms 23. Uh, that the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He would have memorized and, and he would have followed the Bible. You know, he would have looked for sure. And I, one of the verses that I've seen his life, he would have been in very uh, focused on the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, because that's what he did. Don't lean on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, acknowledge God and he'll make your path straight. At Jeremiah, don't be wise. I could see him just saying, nodding his head. Yeah, don't be wise uh, in your own eyes. Fear God and turn away from evil. And uh, his life goes forward into persecution and challenges. And I use this verse, and I'm sure he did too, that came out of uh, the book of uh, Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. And Jeremiah needed that kind of encouragement so so he would have known god's word for himself and he for sure would have taught it to other people around him he would have had faith in the word of god he would have been able to take a step back and teach the people god's promises you know and 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 the history of the world uh, he would have told the people of israel says god gave you a promise he made a covenant with you and 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 he said that he calls heaven and earth to be a witness to this covenant between God's people and God. And that's us and God. What's the covenant? 
that he sets for you. He says, I set before you today uh, life and death, blessings and curses. See, he did that for the nation of Israel. But you see, that's a life choice also. Uh, I often use this in just as a reminder. In my life, I have a choice. You know, I can choose blessings by obeying God, his voice, holding fast to him. For he's my life, that we may dwell in the land. This is, this is the choice that we, we have with him and, and through him in these things. And also, on the other side of that, uh, he, t- he has a promise. And he would have been living in a time where people had turned from God, and he would have been teaching this specific verse to him. He says, when I shut up heaven, when there's no rain, and I command locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence, disease, or, or even enemies to conquer you, if my people will humble themselves, uh, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, he was saying that then because they were under siege. He would have reached back into his knowledge of the Bible as today in, in 2020, so many of us are reaching for these verses to be able to, to, to sort out the time, to know what to do, uh, to be able to turn from our sin as a nation, to repent and, and to come back to God. You know, all of this w- was taking place uh, because he was a priest. He was, he was teaching them. He would confront kings when there was injustice. He told kings and, and got in their face. Now, can you imagine uh, a citizen, if you will, or a pastor or someone getting in, in, in a leadership's face? Uh, depending on which party you're in, you'd want to put him in the face of the other party. Uh, and, and he would be saying, do justice and righteousness. You know, uh, do, deliver from the hand of the oppressor, him who's been robbed. Uh, and, and do no wrong or violence, telling the king this, the principal this, the, uh, the president. Uh, you know, no violence to the alien that's there, the fatherless and the widow. No innocent blood should be shed. This is getting in their face and, and coming back. That's, he was not shy about letting them know what, what God tells them to do in those situations. And as a teacher of the law, he, he would have obviously had them learn, memorize the Ten Commandments. That we should have no other God before our God. And, and this, is what, this is the command they were breaking. They were uh, worshiping Molech and, and, and Baal and other foreign, you know, fake gods at that particular time. Uh, they were sacrificing their kids. That, that was mentioned in the video. That's an abhorrent uh, practice of, of killing babies, uh, shedding innocent blood on the land. And he says, no other gods before me. The Ten Commandments. But he was a teacher, but he was more than a, a priest. And, and one of his main roles that he's remembered as is a prophet. Uh, a prophet has two roles. We, we sometimes sort of forget both those roles, but they had, he has two roles. Uh, the first that a prophet has is he boldly, boldly declares the word of God. He just foretells it. He, he gets in people's face, and he says, you can't do that because God says. This is God's law. This is God's way. Uh, and so uh, he's consecrated as a, a prophet to the nation. He's to go out and, and to correct, and, and he's still doing that. He's still doing that. If we read him and take him out of a historical mindset and put him in today, he's still doing what he did then. 
because the words of God, are, are, they last. They apply to all generations, in all times, and in all places. But he, he would get into people's face. He would talk boldly. Uh, one of the examples, he, he talks to Jerusalem, and, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil, that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? Boy, this is, you don't hear this on the campaign trail, and, and you really don't hear it in many churches today. Uh, wicked thoughts that lodge within you. And he, and he challenges them, and, and this is a challenge for our country. Uh, sadly, uh, has a nation changed its gods? Even though there are no other gods, but my people have changed the glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, be shocked, utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They've, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns from themselves. You know, they have no water. We, he warns them that they're, they're in a dry place, and they're looking for water, and it's not there. And boy, today, as we run to and fro looking for the, the up preacher, the, the fast word, the good music, and all that other stuff, running around, uh, avoiding, really, the message of God. So prophets were, get in their face, shake them up. Once in a while, uh, uh, I don't like the, well, I, I use the expression a lot. If sometimes someone needs to talk, I call it, let's come to Jesus talk. And, and just get in their face and say, now, look at your life. Is that what you want? Here's what God says. Do you want to change? Uh, that's, that's one of the rules of a prophet. But also a prophet uh, one of my favorites and things that I study the most, prophets tell the future. God is a supernatural being that knows the future. He knows every event that's going to take place in the future, just like he knows every event that takes place in the past has taken place. And everything, by the way, that takes place in our heart. God knows all those things. You know, because he promises us that he will send prophets uh, that tell us what's going to take place in the future. He won't do anything without revealing his future plans. And he'll do that an awful lot of the times through the scripture, through the Bible. To people like Jeremiah, he talks a lot about the future uh, and describing what's before us today. And it also, a prophet is in prophecy, proves the existence of God. All the other religions of the world say they have prophets, but they have no accurate, fulfilled prophecy. There's no track record that their God has been able to tell the future. We have almost 6,000 years of prophecies that are specifically fulfilled by God. And he challenges all other religions and all other false gods. He says, declare it. Tell us what's going to come after. Tell us the future that we may know that you're God. And, and, and Jeremiah just gets up and gets in her face and say, hey, th this, is, this is what God does. So here we go. He's, he's a prophet. He's a priest. Um, and he proved himself to be a true prophet. One of the things that uh, God is so cool, I guess I'm allowed to say that in church, but God is so cool because he says, okay, now how do you know a real prophet? We look around the landscape and watch people that are having dreams and prophetic messages. Uh, find, often they find their way to Christian headlines in the news. Uh, so how do you know if they're a real prophet? It's kind of all. Simple test. If their prophecies come true, they're a real prophet. If their prophecies that they put out don't come true, they're a false prophet. 
And, and this, this was told to us in Deuteronomy 28, early on. If they, don't, if, they, uh, if they do not come to pass or come true, then that, God didn't say that. So you don't need to worry about him. But as for the prophet who prophesies peace, uh, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it'll be known that he's truly spoken to him. You know, this, uh, this ability when something takes place, God tells the future, we should be looking at that. And, and uh, prophecies, fulfilled prophecies. Jeremiah had many of them, immediate ones, actually. Uh, he, he picked and told them, this is what's going to happen. He, he actually lived almost 80 years, saw a lot of life, and he did dozens and dozens of specific prophecies about what was going to happen. And they happened. So he, he, had, a, he had street credits, if you will, uh, that he was a true prophet. And it's interesting, though, in, in the 40 to 50 years of active uh, prophesying and telling people these things, over and over and over again, people didn't listen to him. Just as we have people speaking truth into our culture, uh, speaking truth into the church, but too often they're not listened to. You know, he, uh, he would speak about the future, and he, and he would talk at one time, he said, one of the great prophecies that we live with is he said, God's going to make a new covenant. He's going to take not the covenant of the Old Testament and the law, but he's going to bring about a new covenant. We, we celebrate this as Christians. We celebrate it at communion. It's this new covenant that's sealed with, with the body and, and the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and here's what he says, this new covenant that he's going to make with Israel and with the world. Uh, later on, he says, I'll put their law within their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. You know, this writing it on our hearts, one of the things that God did for us, followers of Christ, is on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell, it, it fulfilled an Old Testament feast and, and celebration. That feast was the celebration of the law coming. Well, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to write the law on our hearts. And that becomes, that's a promise that Jeremiah uh, put forward for us 2,500 years ago, that Jesus would do that for us. And also, as a, as a true prophet, he corrected the false prophets. He says, you're, you're telling, speak, God's speaking through them. Prophets, you're telling lies in my name. Stop it. So often I'll scan through TV or re, uh, often given books, and someone says, what do you think of this guy? And I'll look at it, and quite often I find false prophets. So we should, we should be aware that, that they're certainly in our time, and we should know how to be able to identify them. Jeremiah said, lies in my name. I didn't command you to speak these things. Lying vision, worthless divination, deceit in their own minds. When they deal falsely, and, and they say, and we hear a lot of this today, prophecies coming out in, in the Christian community about people saying, Everything is getting so much better. It is wonderful. There's a revival afoot, and yet there's no evidence. I, uh, I pray for that. I hope for revival, but I don't see it around us uh, taking place in. In, in fact, G, uh, Jeremiah didn't see it back in his day either. So Jeremiah, the, all of these things, uh, he was in opposition. Uh, I love this one verse, and I, I don't understand it all, but I had to put it in there. 
Jeremiah was attacked on all sides by uh, other people, calling him a false prophet, calling him a problem. And this is, he's, I hear whispering terror on every side. And the people around him, the, the priests and everyone else, the government say, denounce him. Let's denounce him. Uh, they say to all my close friends, watching for my fall, perhaps he'll be deceived. We can overcome him and take revenge on him. But here's what I love. This, I, don't, I don't understand what I'm about to say. Jeremiah knew. He said, but the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my prosecutors will stumble. A dread warrior. I have no idea what that is, but I want one. I want a dread warrior inside of my life to have Christ there uh, to protect us. How cool is that? Uh, but that's Jeremiah the prophet. But also, Jeremiah was a man of God. You know, one of the things about his life, it was a hard life. He was... He was told early on that I'm calling you out and, and you're going to be by yourself. Don't get married. Don't have a family. Uh, that, that he would be speaking for God and he would be calling violence and, and, and all of these things and people would oppress him. And so he would often say, well, I, there's, sometimes he said, I'm really sorry I was born. But then he said, I have to speak. I have to tell people about what God's saying. He said, it's like, there's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I say to myself, I'll speak no more. But in my heart, it's as if there's a burning fire in my bones, and I cannot hold it in. He had to speak for God. He was just committed to him, and, and he had to come forward with it. And, and in his life, he was publicly beaten, humiliated. He was put in prison, put on bread and water for a long period of time. Uh, he was uh, during the siege of Jerusalem. They had him locked up. They threw him into a cistern, which was full of mud, and they were going to leave him there to die. Uh, his work uh, was burned by one king. He had written out the whole book of Jeremiah, all of, his, all of his sermons and everything, and the king would read it, then burn it, read it, then burn it. Uh, now That's when someone doesn't like your work, uh, when they go to the effort to burn it right in front of you. Uh, he, he rewrote it through the, the, the scribe Barak, uh, that he had with him. So Barak was one of his only friends uh, in, as far as the book turns out. And then there was uh, an Ethiopian who saved Jeremiah from that cistern. And he was one of his friends and often supported him and took care of him as it went. Uh, but he was a lonely man. He was, he was uh, eventually taken, as the, as the video had said, to Egypt. He said, don't go there. Nebuchadnezzar's going to conquer it. Don't do that. Accurate prophecy after act. They took him there. And ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar does come down and conquer Egypt. But his people, get this, he was about 80 years old. His people, who he had prophesied, who he had loved, who he had taught, who he had interceded for, stoned him. They killed him. An old man had served him his whole life, uh, his ending was he went out and he was stoned uh, and, and died in that way. You know, and, and Jeremiah left us some last words, and that's what we're going to finish with today. He, he wrote a book after the book of Jeremiah called Lamentations. He looked at the damage that was done to Israel, and he was lamenting. He was in sorrow. He was, he was, he was torn apart by what he saw and uh, first off, it starts in Lamentations 1.1. He talks about Israel. 
And he talks about Jerusalem. How, how lonely sits the city that was at one time full of people. How like a, a widow has she become. She who is great among the nations. She who is a princess among the provinces. She's become a slave. She weeps bitterly night and with tears on her cheeks. You know, this is, this is the nation of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. So prized, so treasured in all that she did. And, and yet now she's bereft of everything. And, and he goes on, this is chapter 1. In chapter 2, he looks at himself and he says, I'm a mess. He goes on to say, uh, as he does that, he says, uh, my soul is bereft of peace. There's no peace in him. I have forgotten uh, what happiness is. So I say uh, to my endurance, uh, you know, it's perished. And, and my hope from the Lord, it's, it's all gone. Uh, remember my afflictions, my wanderings, the wormwood, and my gall. The soul continuously uh, remembers it, and it's bowed down with him. This is, this is lamenting of the highest order. He had the lamenting thing down. But here's his final word. It doesn't stop there. Again, we move into familiar territory for many Christians because the verse uh, is followed on by this verse. Everything is sad, but, 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 Jeremiah says, I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What's his hope in? The steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See the transition? Here's his last words to us. And, and words that, that, that truly, and, and, and I, I have no doubt because I've talked to so many people that remind me that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness songs you know sing this you know this is this is these are his last words to us so what's the application in 2020 uh i read jeremiah like i say at least once a year and lamentations as i do it's not a dead book to me because i write where he's speaking to me personally to change my life and and more times than i like to admit i have to write usa in there as i see our country uh being warned by jeremiah don't go there don't do that uh, don't make that mistake don't change god's here so i uh, i i write in there where, where i think i see that it's applicable to my life or to someone else's um, again uh, jeremiah lived 80 years he saw a lot of life he saw the flourishing kingdom under Josiah the king, the revival that took place. He, he stopped pagan worship. He found the Torah, and he started following it and celebrating the feast, and there was this great revival in the city. Josiah dies. But Jeremiah saw this revival, this, this, this thing take place inside the country, and Josiah uh, dies at that time and turns it over to his son, and his son was far from God. And, and this was just a few years you know, uh, before Babylon conquered him. So, great revival. It turned back to pagan worship uh, inside of it. Then the revival's gone, so decay, conquest of, of Jerusalem. Again, I can identify. I see the changes in my nation, in this nation, in my lifetime, because I'm an old dude. Uh, no doubt about it. Jeremiah's got me by a year or two. 
Uh, but, I, but I've seen the nation back when I was young, and it saw a change. I saw the 60s with the hippies with, uh, what is it, uh, something like sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, during that particular time. Uh, I saw the nation change, everything taking place in the streets. Uh, it, then I saw the charismatic revival take place, and our nation came alive for a season in the excitement of Jesus' people and that was during a period where I came to know Christ and the excitement of the day that was taking place in so many churches uh, all around it. And again, as Jeremiah, I, I start to see a decay. You know, I, uh, I want to be reminded, and I want to remind each person here that uh, God chose us for an appointed time. Uh, he chose us and appointed us that you and I should go forth and bear fruit. And our fruit should abide. We should be in relationship and asking God and talking to him. Remembering that we're God's workmanship. You see, you weren't born at just any time. I wasn't born, I was born at the right time and so were you. And, and God has called us in this, this re-equipping in Jesus Christ as we lay our lives down. For those who have made that decision, we're God's creation. You know, it's funny, we're created in the womb uh, with certain physical abilities and, and talents and, and everything else. Marvelous creations, we're told. And, and now in Christ, we've been born again. We're, we're, we're given new gifts, spirits, heart, aptitude. But it's for a specific opportunity. It's for works that he called beforehand. You know, as, as we remember him, call to mind his words. I encourage you to, to find some that's in front of us. You know, call it to mind, and therefore I give hope. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're fresh every morning. This is in times like this, we, we need that. We need, we need a Jeremiah reminding us. So uh, as we close, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the hope that you give us, the promise of, of a future, of redemption, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that you will continue to reach out to us, and we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.